Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Slizzy. And I got my guy, Mr. Mitchell, in the building. Episode 91, State of the New York Knicks podcast. How you doing, brother? Yeah, doing well, bro. Doing well. Uh, like everybody, still getting through all this uh, lockdown and virus stuff. Hasn't sort of changed that much anywhere, I guess. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Just, just just, keep on thinking positive and keep on keeping on, so to speak. Yeah, man, this virus is <laughs> it's destroying everything. It got my man LeBron looking bad because <coughs> you got the Jordan documentary out right now. Um, yeah. I, I guess that's the first thing we could talk about. You know, tonight was the last episode of the Last Dance documentary. Um, overall... What did you take from it? How do and how do you what how can I compare this to right now, Knicks? What can the right now Knicks learn from how that started the Bulls at nineteen eighty four drafted Michael Jordan? What can they learn from that dynasty? Or, you know, just keeping the same people around or switching the team around, drafting, trading? What, what did you learn? Um, okay. Well, first off, um, uh, you know, I'll start off by saying that I, I think it was a good documentary to bring out, um, especially for young people that didn't actually get to see Jordan either live or on TV when he was playing back in the day. Um, I, I think it's shown a lot of people why he's – considered the GOAT by many, um, just purely because of what he did on that court, his mentality, um, you know. He, he, I've never seen a player like him in reality. I mean, he used to get pissed off and, 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 and seriously hurt sometimes his own teammates in practice because he wanted to win that badly. He, he did not like losing. Um, you know, if, if I can um, – there's a couple of things I took away. Um, obviously, we, you see the good times and the bad times and, and stuff behind the scenes throughout that whole documentary. I do not want the Knicks doing anything of like what Jerry Krause and that front office did. Um, I, I, I can't understand wanting to tear a team apart that's, that's on the verge of six. He wanted to do it once they won five. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'd keep, I'm sitting there going, no, he'd have to be insane. Not, you know, and he, cause he was sitting there and he, you know, he's sitting on the lines like, I know Jordan's his age, but. Um, these other guys, they're probably likely played their last, you know, best seasons and that. And I'm sitting there going, but Jordan's older than Scotty slightly. So I don't understand how his thinking was there. But um, yeah, it, it, if there was positive takeaways, when you pick somebody as high as what Jordan was picked in the draft and you believe that they can be a franchise altering player, um, you stick with them. Now, the ball stuck with him for several years where he kept getting beat by the bad boy Pistons um, because he, even though he was the rookie or, or, you know, in his second year, what have you, technically he was still the best person on that damn Bulls team, um, you know, ta- yeah. from a talent perspective. He just needed a better team around him and he finally got that. They finally started getting that together once they drafted Scotty. Um you know, and they brought others in. And then, of course, uh, later on, Dennis Rodman joined them. Um, but when you get a player like that 
So I'm going to compare it now, and, and I'm not going to say he's on Jordan's level. I'm not even going to say he can reach Jordan's level. But, right, similar case. We've picked RJ Barrett, which was picked at the top mm-hmm. of the draft, similar to Jordan. Um, he, he, he could be quite talented. We don't know that yet. We've got to wait and see. We can see what he's got already, but I think there's more in the kit there. So my way of thinking is you stick with RJ and you don't give that man up for no, but doesn't matter who comes at you with what sort of trade, when it comes to RJ, you don't, you, he's untouchable, man. You know, that, that type of thing. Because you've got to stick with him, even if they're losing first. When you get the right, say, running mate, like Jordan ended up with Scotty, or you get the right people around said player to, to that that. Uh, helps develop that player's game and and, and brings out more, and then then you got to stick with it, and that's what those bulls did. I know there was a lot of BS going on behind the scenes, and there was a lot of inner fighting and everything, but they still managed, in the end, to stick together. And by sticking together, they ended up three-peating twice, you know, and 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 they were so dominant on the basketball court as a team, not just because of Jordan because they had the right coach with the right players at the right – everything just lined up perfectly, you know what I mean? And uh, I think that's what what I really wish for our – if we get the right coach now that could come in like a Phil Jackson with what he did with those Bulls and what he also did later on with the Lakers too. And he wasn't just a coach. He was – a lot of them looked like that to him like a father. So if you can have that type of approach where – they know you're their coach, but you can, they can also come to you for advice and, and stuff like that, and he helped a lot of people out. That's the sort of coach that seems to get, you know, a good winning percentage going. Pop's pretty much the same with, with his players. He gets very close with them, um, you know, and, and, and that's really good integrate instead of just being a coach on the side, oh, yep, we'll see you next practice. Um, I, I think they need to create, obviously, without the Bulls, BS in the front office, but they need to keep get that family team vibe. I'm just talking from uh, when with the Bulls, the team itself, so the players and, and, and their coach, you know, the Zen master. That that group there, excluding the Bulls front, that they tried to stay as tight knit as possible and, and continue on their winning paths. And and they kind of all spoke amongst each other, talked about sh- stuff. I mean, you know, you, you see it in the documentary. Jordan and Phil, they, they, they weren't stupid. They knew what was going on behind the scenes. So they colluded together. Oh, well, this is what's going on. We're going. We, we don't want any part of this. They're going to tear us apart type thing. So, you know, <laughs> you, need, you need to build that family type environment between the coach and the players. Once you get that and you've got the right team on the, that court, that's where you're going to have con- continued success. And that's what the Bulls managed to do. Um, as I said, even with the outside drama and the noise and everything else, they still managed to keep the majority of that team together. Um, you know, even in the part the where... Thing, the main thing, a lot of their main pieces was drafted. You get exactly. What I'm saying? Like, that, you that's another thing. You can't go into... like You can't keep going into the NBA season Keep shifting players. Keep giving out one plus one deals. I, I hate one plus one deals. By the way, um, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, post- right. Go ahead. Yeah, look, look. Like, as you said, like they drafted Jordan, they drafted Pippen. Um, 
pretty sure I'm pretty sure I'm right. They drafted Steve Kerr. I'm pretty sure as well. But there's three straight off the bat. Horace Grant being another one, you know, that they drafted. Um, I know, I know yeah. he wasn't there for the the last three Pete, or at least the last two of that. But um, you know that that's what they were doing. They drafted a whole heap of players. Um, the only uh, I think they drafted Luke Longley, the Australian boy that played with them as well. Um, I think the only one that, well, obviously the only one that didn't draft was Dennis because he, he initially was with the bad boy Pistons. Um, but yeah, see, Dennis, Dennis. even even with that, see, now they looked at that team and, and talking about just that situation alone, when they came to that decision, as you could see, Jerry Krause, he, he at first didn't, didn't want to bring him in because he, he goes, no, nah, he's too much trouble. You know, he was watching what was happening at the Spurs. And then, and then it was other people that turned around and said, yeah, but you bring him in with Michael and Michael and Phil can rein that personality in and we can benefit. And they did benefit from it. Um, Dennis Rodman, even in my eyes still today, is, is probably one of the best, easily top five defensive centres I've ever seen uh, so far in my life. Um, the man could just defend his ass. Um, and that they, they kind of needed that, I, I think, in that, in that thir- uh, second go around of three people because, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 they were coming up against, you know, the Ewings and, and Akeems and uh, that, uh, David Robinson, uh, the, you know, the general. So they needed someone in the paint there. And he got in there and he did his job, even with all these quirks, <laughs> wearing dresses, colouring his hair, you know. But it worked. It worked. In, they, they took the risk and it worked. And see, that was the thing. Apart from drafting players, they brought in someone that I initially was sceptical, but knowing that you had the strong personality leadership that, that Jordan, you know, commanded from his people, you, you knew you could bring Dennis in and, and he'd keep Dennis under control, you know. Um, and, and and that's the thing. That That's... That's what I'd like to see in not not to the obviously not to the extent that Jordan went sometimes because he kind of went overboard with some of his teammates. But that mentality is that he had uh, that that's what wins. You know, you, if you've got a player that just he doesn't like losing, he just wants to go out and win, and he's not going to let anything or anybody stand in his way. I love that mentality. That that mental. I mean, it worked for him. It worked for Jordan. Uh, sorry, Kobe. Um, you know, I always say they they didn't want to just go out and beat you. They wanted to demoralise you. They wanted to show you why they were considered then by their peers and and by many that they were the best at the game at that time. Um, you know, and Jordan proved that man. You know, um, he didn't have to be built like LeBron James. You know, he he did it at his size. And he just had that guts, that determination. I mean, <laughs> you know, know it's crazy. I, I can see a bit of that, uh, just, just before I let you go, I, I can see a oh. bit of that in RJ. And no one can tell me different because just how, before he even got to the NBA, just how much of a winning percentage he did, he had. Uh, uh, he won at every level. He, he won, he won medals. He's won trophies. He's, so that tells me he has a very similar mentality to Jordan in, well, I just want to win and I want to prove to you how good I am and why I can come on that court. And as long as I've got the right teammates that supplement my game, I'm going to demoralise you out there. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that RJ has got that in him. You know, hearing you talk about how, you know, Jordan, you, you draft Jordan, you make a calculated trade with Dennis Rodman. And as I'm looking back at the history of the NBA, all the dynasties began with a homegrown star, a guy you draft in the top five, and yep. you build around him. And yep. as I'm watching this, management matters too because yep. they was destroying Jerry Krause, man. <laughs> I don't know if any NBA superstar talks to his GM or a president of basketball operation. I don't know if they talk to their, their, their guy like that. Um, You know, nah. relationship between management and players. Um, Right now it's a player's league. Yep. And, and, and just watching this, I'm like, ah, oh, man, Jerry Krause, you broke up the dynasty too early. You could have signed them all back for one-year deals and yeah. ran it back again. Let people take the crown from you. Don't just let the crown crumble well, from I, within. It's I'd even go way. as far as saying I, I still think, well, just Jordan and Pippen alone had at least another two good years left in them. Easy. So I, I have this feeling that they they could have given themselves every chance to win a seventh and and possibly an eighth ring. Um, you know, it's similar to to, to uh, Shaq, and he still says it to this day, if me and Kobe just had a got over our BS and stuck together, we could have won ten, and I wouldn't doubt it. You know, because of the way they just they just clicked and dominated. You know, and um, the Bulls again were just. Once he got Pippen, his running mate, he was he was just they were just so dominant as a team. They him and Pippen had the rest of their squad exactly in the positions where they needed to be, what they needed to do, how to run the triangle off, and they just did it to perfection. As I said, the only thing that that made him come undone at the end was Jerry Krause thinking that his players were were already past their prime, except for Michael even though Michael was the eldest of the bunch. Um, so, yeah, you, that's the only thing I wouldn't want our Knicks to do from the ball. You, you need that closeness and, and and everybody to be on the same page in the front office. Um, that That's a big, that's a big, big thing um, because you've got the stability in the front office. Therefore, that'll trickle down, you know, stability to the coaching, stability amongst the roster. And, and I think these days that's what a lot of players are looking for. I mean, I know that, for, for example, that's what Giannis is, is, has been looking for, you know, is that stability and, um, you know, a, a winning sort of culture. Obviously, that's, that's two things at the top of, of his list that I know about. So now uh, we're on, on to our Knicks, you know, they've, they've drafted <laughs> Knox the year before RJ. And then they drafted RJ, uh, and, and you got Knox now. You got RJ. You got Mitch. Now, the only reason at the moment, even though I'd I'd still keep him, but the only reason I don't put Frank in that group is he wasn't chosen by, he wasn't picked by Scott Perry, whereas yeah. the others others were. He, he's a Phil Jackson pick, but you know, so I'm just excluding him from what I'm saying. So Scott Perry went and made those three picks, right? So now he needs. They need to stick with them, and they will find if if they stick with them and they those three can you know 
build up their chemistry and build up their friendships behind the scenes. You know, if they want to go to the movie, wherever, concerts together or whatever, hang out in their spare time. That's just going to make the games better because they're all going to be closer. They're all going to know, okay, you're good at this, but you're not so good at this. Okay, you're good at this, but you're not so, okay, so we can make up for this in this area, right? Um, and that, that's where I'll come back with Jordan and Pippa, okay? So, yeah, Jordan could do some far out wicked passes, but he wasn't exactly known for it. Scotty always generally had the higher assist numbers, right? So, you know, and they mainly used Jordan for what he was used for, a scorer. And the man could just score with his eyes closed. Um, didn't matter what you put in front of him, he, he scored, you know? So the, the, that's what I'm saying. So that offsetted that with Scotty being the facilitator. So, you know, that, that, that worked out well. And if we can have that same sort of a combination there, um, you know, if they want to go with RJ, they want to use him, say he starts, his shots, shot starts getting better. They just want to use him in that sort of Jordan role as a scorer. Then, then you're going to need someone to facilitate to him. So you need you need I don't the think That's his role, though. I, I think um, the way Barrett should be used is a secondary playmaker, but the first option on the offense. And I believe yeah. he should be playing off of a point guard or playing off of a a, a point forward who can distribute at a at a high rate um like like rj is a confusing player man i rj he doesn't people say he's not a good shooter well he's the best shooting he's the best three-point shooter according to numbers right now in the starting lineup so i don't want to hear about rj is not a good shooter um rj fizdale played him at point guard sometimes this past season um, Fizdale did a lot of questionable things, but that was one thing that I did like to see was RJ on the ball. Um, RJ was the fourth option on a team basically led by Julius Randle and Alfred Payton, who seemed to pass to each other 29% of the time. And he looked good. He averaged 14, 5, and 3. You know, he, he had some spectacular games. He was... He, I think his past few months, he was getting better at the free throw line. He shot above 70% in January. He shot above 70% in, you know, early March before the season had ended. Um, I just hope they keep I'm – I'm happy that they kept Scott Perry around, you know, even though none of Scott Perry free agent pickups has hit. I don't believe any of them has hit. Well, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna say this. This is this is the thing with Scott Perry. I've I've said, and I'm still gonna stick to it now. Now he has an eye for talent when it comes to drafting, and and no one can sort of take that away from him. As I said, because you know he he's drafted in my personal. The three names I just mentioned before, he good for the Knicks. Where when he was with the Kings, how he drafted there, that was very good. When he was with the Sonics, draft again. So he knows he knows young talent when it comes to that. Comes to free agency, yeah, not not so good. Maybe maybe he needs a bit of help in the free agency department. But as for the draft, yeah, I've got no issues with him there. He's he's actually quite uh, onto it when it comes to the draft, which is, that's that's why it kind of puzzles me. I'm like, you draft so well, but then you, you go into free agency, you just pick all these random pickups, man. <laughs> You've got this such garbage. Life- 
Yeah. You know, I, I sit back and I go, okay, so, okay, that, that I know of off the top of my head. You draft people like Westbrook, KD, uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, well, we brought Buddy Heald over to the King, and you get Barrett, and you look at some of these names, you go, geez, you draft some talented guys, but then you bring in some guy like bloody Bobby Porter. <laughs> yeah, like, what's the go? You know, all these good draft picks Moody, you've done yeah. in the past, and then you bring in the most useless free hats. <laughs> I, I just don't get how he goes from evaluating the talent, how, he, how good he is at, when he does it with the draft, and then, as I said, when he evaluates when it comes to free agents, it's like, wow, okay. Yeah, that just stinks. Yeah, it's a completely two ends of the stick, so to speak. Um yeah, I'd give him control of the draft, but as for free agency, I'd take that control away from him. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even let him go near free agency unless he turns around and goes, I've got my way to get Giannis. I say, all right, if you've got your way to get Giannis, do it. <laughs> yeah, but this guy, man. Uh, Scott oh. Perry free agency is very questionable. I, I yeah. love him, though. I love him, though. And I, and I agree with all of his draft picks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Michael Porter Jr. looks like a future all-star. I don't know his back issues. I was too shaky upon that. I wasn't with it at all. Sorry, mm. Nick Nation. Um, SGA, SGA he, he's cool, but he's playing beside Chris Paul, so his numbers is kind of inflated. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the situation Kevin Knox was in, Mook Morris, Reggie Bullock, uh, Mo Harkless, uh, Mike Miller. Uh, he played less minutes after Mook Morris was traded per well, game, which is very stupid. Go ahead. And something I, I said to some uh, a person I was arguing with the other day, as we, as we both do with people. <laughs> um, I said now, right, because they mentioned Destia, and I said, right. So if you put Knox on a better team, not that I want him because I want to keep him on the Knicks, but you put him on a better team, you you have him in on that Thunder team with Chris Paul, or you have him on the Pelicans with with, with Lonzo and Drew Holiday, or you, you have him um, at the Warriors when Steph's healthy. Or he he's on a better team. He probably has a better start to his career. It's because of the players that he was surrounded with and who he had to start out with is why his game, I, I personally reckon, hasn't come along. And then, of course, as you mentioned, bringing in Moot Morris, Bobby Porter, Taj Gibson and the like, it just pushed him minutes back and, and therefore squashed his confidence um, and pretty much put him back at square one again. Like he had to start his journey all over again and build that confidence back up and get back to, to where he had progressed too. Um, yeah. And, and that was my argument back. It was that, hey, he got drafted to a better team and he had a better point guard to run with. Um, yeah. He, he could be in a different position right now. But yeah. the thing is, is that he's kept his head down, hasn't let the bright lights get to him, hasn't let the negative noise get to him. Um, he understands his game and where it's at and he understands what he has to improve on. Um, I love the work ethic he, his dad has instilled in him. I've listened to a few interviews with him and his dad and, um, you know, the, it, he, he's going to come around. As I said, he, he's probably not going to be any type of superstar, but he's going to be good enough to, to help a team win a championship. And you still need plenty of players like that. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I would I, like I to debunk mean... something real quick. Mm. Right. I've heard I've heard it all when it comes to Kevin Knox. I've heard he doesn't like the game of basketball. I've heard he's not a hard worker. He ain't working on his game. According to Nick's brass, he's the hardest worker on the team. Um, according to Mike Miller, he's a very hard worker. So behind the scenes, obviously, we can't see everything, but they see everything. And if yeah. Knox is a hard worker, I'm keeping Knox. I'm not training Kevin Knox. I think and, the and- problem – I want to bring up one more thing real quick, too. Yeah, right. Um, the 90s Knicks, right? Patrick Ewing. You never drafted him a young wing. Let's not make that same mistake again. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, as again, I'll go back um, to even even just as the draft was happening, and and uh, anybody that actually decided to actually listen to what Calipari had to say about his young young prose there in Knox um, would have taken away, and and this is what I took away. He's going to be a project. He's a little bit behind some of these other guys in the draft. He's very young. Um, and, and pretty much in his own words, yeah, you, you kind of need to give him a good swift kick in the bum to get that motor of his going sometimes. Um, but he was just, you know, he, he still is. He's still a kid. Um, he's, he's still learning. If he didn't want to play basketball, I don't think because of the way, as I said, I've listened to interviews of his father and just from what I got, the way he's been raised, I don't think he wastes his own time or anybody else's time even entering the draft if he, if he wasn't interested in basketball. Um, you know, I, I think whoever's go around saying that's just, just talking out their backside. <laughs> it's just mm. the fact, like I keep saying, and, and obviously there's a lot of people that either didn't don't want to realise it or, or just wasn't paying enough attention. But... The reason why Knox went backwards, and, and, and I'll still stick with this, is because of all those power forwards that were brought in, which therefore cut his minutes down and his confidence got shot to shit. Um, that By Fisdale, by that, um, just with what everything that was going on at the time. And you could see that. And, and, I've, and I've felt for the poor kid. I was like, this is a terrible situation for, for a draftee to come into, you know. You didn't know if you're going left or right, up or down, who, oh, who, who's in the front office, who's not, is this my coach, is that my coach, you know. Like, that 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 would do any young, uh, you know, person coming in his head in, you know. And as I said, uh, I, I go back to Calipari saying he was a pro, well, that wasn't going to help him at all. Um, and if anything, where, where I say confidence was shot, oh, well, we, we don't have any confidence in you because we're going to push Bobby Portis and give minutes to him. We're going to push uh, oh. Taj and give minutes to him. We're going to push Mark, uh, Morris and Julius Randle because as far as we're concerned, they're all better than you. That, that's the sort of impression that I was getting. And it's like, well, if I was Knox, I was like, well, they should be better than me because they've been in the league for how long now? Oh, I'm just, I'm just starting off, you know, but it just it, it was just wrong. Uh, I think the way that they kind of handled him initially was just wrong. Um, no, and that's crazy. Can I, can I throw something at you? Knox yeah. Kent, right, was frustrated with Knicks Brass because after the moot trade, they expected for Knox to start. Mm. But instead, Mike Miller went with the infamous Mo Harkless, who shoots 27% from three. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why are you placing all of these 
dudes who cannot shoot around R.J. Barrett and, and a nineteen-year-old. I, uh, I knew. I knew instantly that was going to be a really, really bad pickup because the only time Mo Harkless has been any good was when he was in the Portland Trailblazers system. Once he left that, it, he, was, he hasn't really been the same sort of play, even when he was at the Clippers and that. When he was running with Dame and them, he, he, he played his game. Um, he's more a defensive specialist. And, and it worked within that team. It just hasn't worked anywhere else because... He's obviously tried to be used in different ways to how Portland was using. This this all comes back to Julius Randle too, the same sort of thing. Knicks have brought him in, and I don't know whose decision it was, tried to make him a point forward, which he had never been, um, had never shown signs that he could do that. You know, he's not LeBron, he's not Ben Simmons, he's not Giannis, he's none of them. Um, he's never shown any of that. So... What in their right mind that they thought, oh, yeah, this dude who he's never done it before can do point forward in, you know, the biggest lights, you know, in the basketball league, uh, yeah, was just wrong. Um, and I, I, as I said, like, this this, this all affected Knox. Um, that's why I reckon we need to get out from under Randall and we need to get out from under Portis so Knox gets his minutes. Knox needs to be starting with RJ because I, I actually like when Knox is actually on the court at the same time as RJ. They seem to complement each yep. other quite well. Um, I do too. You know, so uh, and he, it, it, that's just going to put confidence. Okay, well, I'm starting now. Shit, they've, they've got confidence in me. They, they, they trust me here. Um and sometimes you need to take that risk on these on these young guys and give them that opportunity to shine. Um, as I said, I know it was just one game, but I reckon all our other power forwards would have just got manhandled by Zion, and he took him on. You know, took yeah. him on, took, took the bull on and didn't question it. Wasn't scared. Took him on. Got shoved over that first time, and then <laughs> you know controlled him. Oh. Yeah, he 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 was slowing Zion down. You know, I know he the, the, he was though. He blocked him twice. Yeah, he outscored in that game, and Mitch blocked Zion a couple times as yeah. well. Yeah, Knox played well. I can I can't lie. I thought he was going to get bullied the whole game, but he, yeah. he played well and held his own because he knew everybody was watching. He knew exactly. Nick fans was watching. Yeah, and he, and he and that's what I mean. He he held his own and. I thought, well, this is a great start. And that was at the start of the year. And then all of a sudden, slowly but surely, his minutes started getting taken away. And, you know, and, and that's, that's, as I said, with a young kid, that's all that's going to do is affect their confidence. And if their confidence goes down, well, obviously their play is going to go down. Um, and, and so I'm kind of hoping um, next season he gets to start straight off the bat. You know, um, he needs yeah. It'd be what his his third year then, so um, it's just going to benefit him. And and they need to use him in the right way. If they want to find out how to get the best uh, use out of Knox, go talk to Calipari and ask him how he integrated him into the the Kentucky offense. Um, Knox because- is an all ball player, a slasher. He's not somebody that you. <laughs> You want him in an ISO situation, but you don't 
You want him in pick and roll situations, but you really want him off the ball, pin down screens, uh, drag screens, pistol action. The the issue with the Knicks was that they was running all of these actions for the vets instead of running them for the for the kids. Like I like, yeah. As I watched all of these games this season, and I'm watching highlights and things of that nature. I did not see not one pin down screen, I believe, from Knox or one double screen for Knox. And it's like you can't expect for your kids to get better when you're not running the offense through them, when you're not giving them confidence, when you're playing R.J. Barrett with Julius Randle. And I don't know if you remember this game, but I swear I would want you to watch this game again or the Knicks fans who's listening to this podcast. It was the Knicks versus the Hornets. And... I believe it was the second quarter, and RJ did not get the ball the whole second quarter. I believe he touched the ball once in the second quarter. The third quarter comes, RJ starts chucking, starts shooting the ball, taking any shot, not passing the ball, not looking for nobody. And I attribute that to the vets and to guys like Bobby Porters, Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, who just ignores this kid. A lot. He's clapping for the ball. Like, your number three overall draft pick should not be clapping for the ball. I believe Zion Williamson had a 30% usage rating Yeah, when he came back for the Pelicans. They ran the offense through Zion. The coach, the coach publicly said, we got to give Zion the ball more. <laughs> like, exactly. like, the coach publicly said that. So, exactly. if he's giving him confidence, what the hell is the Knicks doing with R.J. Barrett? Are you having this kid? Like, Julius Randle needs to go. I don't know yeah. if there's a Knicks fan who hate Randle more than I do. I hate the spin move. I can't watch games from this season. I can't watch games with Julius Randle. I cannot watch him play basketball no more. I'm sorry. And, and you know what makes me so mad with Randle? Because we done we did a whole podcast. And spoke for an hour about how Julius Randle could become an all star. <laughs> yeah. And this guy gets here and has the worst season that he has in the past decade for a player who shot 15 or more shots. He had the worst effective field goal percentage. Mm. Like, think about that. Like, you shoot. 15 shots or more in a game, but your effective field goal percentage is terrible. Yeah. I, I, I don't I, I don't know, bro. I I can't watch no more Randall, bro. I'm sorry. Nah, and, and and another thing I can't stand about him is that over dribbling crap. Like, oh my God. I <laughs> yeah, and then he just loses control. Oh, there it goes. Other team's got the ball now. Thanks, Randall. <laughs> you know, like not <laughs> hustling back. He's jogging. You know, he, he just he just needs to learn his – and I've said it many times. He needs to learn his place in the league. Like, the Lakers played him as a straight-out power forward. The Pelicans played him as a straight-out power forward. He actually succeeded in that role, and that's all the role that he should be doing. You know, just staying in that pain, doing the usual four thing, you know, um, and, and – you know, obviously keep practicing your three so you maybe could eventually become a stretch four in that regard and, and teams have to respect your outside shot. 
but you're not a point forward. You just need to play the four, not point forward. Like it's it's not his game. Um, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't have the vision to to do that. You know, he, people people like to go on about uh, about you know um, have have a just tunnel vision. Well, there, there's a perfect example. <laughs> This guy, man. You know, oh. he just got into his own head and just, oh, I'm in New York. I'll be the king of New York. I'll take every shot and try to dunk every shot and run the <laughs> offense and be the man. And I'll fight with Luke Morris over that too. But <laughs> Oh, my God. They was hogging the ball so much, man. Oh, oh. It, it was ridiculous. Like, they both weren't playing the natural games that they had played elsewhere. You know, even Luke Morris to a degree – uh, took himself out of his comfort zone and tried to, you know, do more than than what was really needed of him. Um, you know, if we had had the Moot Morris that, that was on the Celtics that just just did his job and shot his threes, would have been perfect. He tried. To, he also Man, tried. Answer to- this. Answer this. Let's be let's be honest. You think Jason Tatum and those guys miss Moot Morris? Nope. So, uh, I damn sure don't miss him. And I don't need him to come back to the Knicks. Uh, that was a one-shot, one-time deal. I appreciate him for wanting to be a Nick, and I appreciate him to want to inflate his stats so he could get a huge contract in 2020 offseason. But thank you for the first-round pick. Uh, goodbye. Don't let the door hit you. And, and I mean, see, see how the Clippers used him, though? So he wasn't trying to be – well, he was never going to be the man there because you got Paul George and Kawhi in front of you. But he understood his position and he did what was ne- – that. that's all that he needed to do. You know, the, the, his brother's the same. I actually prefer his brother, Markeith, I always have um, because he doesn't hog the ball. He understands, okay, I'm a, I'm a four. I'm not a, pa- I'm not a point forward, so I'm not going to try that. I'm not the number one op- op- option, so I'm not going to try and be that. I'm going to be the third or fourth option. I'm going to play my game. I'm going to defend my ass off. And hopefully that attributes to winning, you know, and, and I've noticed that with Mark Keefe. He's cool. He if, if we had got Mark Keefe over Marcus, it could have been a different story because Mark Keefe would have just settled in and go, righto, I'm here just to do this. I'm not going to try and be the number one. I'm not going to try and be the man. Um, I'm going to help these kids and I'm just going to play my role. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, we, we didn't get that. So now, now it's, it should all be about the young kid. And that's the one thing I do want. I don't know if it's Scott Perry or whoever it was in the front, but I'll, I'll go with Scott Perry on this. I understand that he loves the vet, but you do making these draft picks for a reason, buddy, like play them. That's the only way they're going to get better. That's the only way that they're going to come together as a unit and, and continue to get better as a team. Um, you know, what, what's the point in, in, in drafting, you know, Knox as high as what they drafted him just to give his minutes to, to guys that probably, in my opinion, aren't even as skilled as what he's going to end up being. And as I said, that's, that's without him turning into a superstar. But I find Knox more skilled than Randall, and I could see him being a hell of a lot better defender than Randall, just purely on his size. Um, you know, so, and he, he, the thing with Knox, he, he goes out there and he tries. That's the one thing I, I, I won't take away from him. I've, I've told plenty of people this before. 
You know, he might not be the greatest defender at the moment, but he goes out there and he tries his heart out. And you can tell he's trying. You, 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 I look at him and I don't see a person out there like, oh, I'll just fucking run up here and, you know, I'll just stay. <laughs> he, he tried. He does try. And he's a kid and he's he's not going to understand positioning all that well just yet. That takes time and, and, and his movements and that. But he will get there because he wants to get there. You know what I mean? As long as I see a kid go out there and actually try, that's 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 what I want to see. I don't, I don't want to see him go out there and half hour, not even bother at all, you know. So I can't take that away from Knox, you know, and, and he wants to get better. And um, another thing with RJ, I think RJ is rubbing off on him and that, you know, he, he wants to get better and wants to improve and he, he wants to get those minutes back. Um, and I think he needs to be given the opportunity. I, I think that, that if, if the Knicks are silly enough to trade him for anybody, they're going to regret it um, because I have a feeling he'll blossom somewhere else. Um, you know, I know there's been, as I said, we've, we've heard all the trade chatter around the place, but I don't think I'd be willing to give him up because, you know, he, he, you need, you still need players like him on, on a team. As I said, you can, you, your team can have a superstar or two superstars, but those superstars can only get you so far if, if they haven't got the right role guys around them, um, that are helping yeah. them out. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and so you know, once RJ gets to a certain level, he might be he might be one of these players that brings out better, better games out of some of these role guys that are, that are around him, sort of like what Jordan did with some of his his teammates that were just considered role guys, you know. Um, so yeah. I, I can see that, and um, I think actually RJ needs to be made one of the leaders of of the locker room and team. I know he's. He's he's young, um, but he's got that in him. I can already see that. I could see him, you know, being a leader of a team. Um, he's very vocal at Duke. Uh, you could probably even say he was he was probably one of the leaders, or if not the leader of that team. Um, so I'd like to see them give him that responsibility um, and and make him one of the leaders uh, with a couple of other vets, you know, like a Taj, you know. So uh, yeah. that way he gets his voice heard and that can continue over time. Uh, and then, you know, he can sort of take the main role and, and say, right, this is where I need guys, right? I need need shooters and, you know, I, I think it's good to listen to him. They need to start listening to him but, and watching his game and then add players around that's going to complement his game. Right now, um, I'd, I'd be sticking a couple of shooters around him until his yep. shot's Starts coming around more. Got no issues with him going to the paint. That 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 kid, man, is, is, is as good as is, is good as Jordan in this sense. He's very very hard to stop when he charges to that rim, man. I, I watched it every time he charged in that. He's very very hard to stop. Um, that's his game at the moment. Uh, obviously, I'd like to see his game extended, which I think it will. And eventually, you know, that shot's going to come around um, like it has for other people. But right now, yeah, uh, I'd be sticking a few shooters around him to help his game. Yep. And to note that RJ is top five in the league in points per post-up. And points in the paint, I believe he's also, per 100 possessions, he's top five in the league in points in the paint. So, Mm. yeah, get that kid in the paint. Yeah. Um, I guess we got... 
two more things to talk about, and then we could get out of here. Uh, Brock, our Brock Aller. Yeah, yeah. Our capologist. <laughs> And he comes at a beautiful time because, you know, this virus has stopped everything. And this goes into another subject we could we got to talk about, the Chris Paul thing. Because the amnesty pro- stretch provision is coming back. Probably, I know it's being talked about amongst a number of NBA execs. And the reason why is the virus might cause the league for the cap to go down by $30 million. Mm, mm. Now, if the cap goes down by $30 million and the cap is somewhere, you know, like $90, 95000000 million, you know, the players who are looking for max contracts, a la Brandon Ingram, that's going to be affected. Um, I think the players who is, you know, in the future – Coming for future contracts, I think, you know, that's going to affect them as well. But when a player gets a, when he gets amnesty, that's going to affect the league because I know a bunch of players and a bunch of contracts who teams, I'm pretty sure they do not want on their roster. And OKC has been losing a lot of money because, you know, the virus. You're not getting revenue right now because obviously there's no games being played right now. But they was in luxury tax and they're not a championship contender. So OKC can look this stretch, Chris Paul, and he would be ten million per year. Um wow. And you know, I believe twenty five or twenty six NBA teams do not have cap space currently if the cap was to go down by 30 million or 20 plus million. And that's very intriguing because that changes a lot. That changes the way teams think. That changes the way you draft, I believe. Um, I just like Brock Aller came at a very good time. He understands the cap. I, I understand that he has a very long relationship with Leon Rose. And I also understand that Leon Rose does trust this guy. And since he has a lot of knowledge about being in a a, a front office, you know, a basketball front office, I'm glad to have him on board. Um, I'm glad that Leon Rose is also keeping Scott Perry. But Brock Aller, um he was the reason, you know, Cleveland yeah. got a ring. He made the trade for J.R. Smith and Mon Sharper, who helped LeBron James dethrone the Warriors uh, coming back from 3-1. Then Kevin Durant does the sucker move, but that's a move. That's something we could talk about another day. Um, how do you feel about Brock Aller? You know, I, I already said I like the move, you know, if – Anybody the Knicks hire that I don't know their goddamn name, that's a great move to me. Um, so how do you... Hey, what's up, Nick Nation? This was episode 91 of State of the New York Knicks podcast with me and my guy, co-host, Mr. Mitchell. 
from down under all the way from Australia. Sorry about the episode being cut short after we was about to talk about Brock Aller, our new capologist. But Anchor app does something stupid. Once again, it stopped working. Um, no, no issues, no problems. I just wanted to tell Nick Nation why we just magically just cut the episode right after I asked him about Brock Aller. But we're definitely going to talk about Brock Aller next episode. So get in tune. And we're definitely going to talk about the newest hire from Leon Rose. This man, Leon Rose, is working like a Don, working behind the scenes, working in, 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 in the heat of the night. But this man reminded me of Batman, I, I, and I love it. He don't talk to the media. I love it. So, salute to Leon Rose. He's hiring Walt Parent, Walt Parent, as assistant general manager, as they re- reshuffle front the front office under Leon Rose. Salute the Leon Rose. Salute our new player personnel. Assistant general manager, whatever the hell he's gonna be. Um War Perrin, salute to you, brother. And salute to James Dolan. Putting another African American inside of the Knicks um, management office. I appreciate that, brother. But salute the Knicks Nation. Salute to y'all, man. I'm out of here. Just had to explain something real quick. Remember, this is episode 91. I appreciate y'all. I'm out of here. Peace. <laughs>